Welcome to Creative City, the podcast that lets you listen in on my conversations with Cincinnati's most innovative and creative minds. Hey, welcome to Creative City, the podcast that lets you listen in on my conversations with some of Cincinnati's most innovative and creative minds. I'm Tamia Stinson from thestylesample.com, and today I have a very special guest. I'm here with my girl, Regina (laughs) Carswell-Russo, who is the Director of Communications at the CAC, that is the Contemporary Arts Center for the Uninitiated. (laughs) Hey, Regina, how you doing? how are you? Good. What have you been up to? I know you were always running around talking about different exhibits. Let me tell you, there's so much always. And we like to say that we're forever new here at the Contemporary Arts Center. I can see that. You know, we're always changing our installations, our exhibitions. There's always new programming. And so there's like, I don't know, no one can see us because we're on our podcast, but you're in my office. And on my whiteboard all across my wall is all of the different projects that I have. And if anyone... There's a lot. (laughs) Wait a minute. Hold up. Each one is a project. Exactly. It's everything from. Oh, I'm looking forward to that one. Which one? Off. Off? Yeah. 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 (laughs) I'm nosy. But there's like, oh, like we're always trying to stay ahead and be kind of innovators in the game, making sure that we're giving the best of a visitor experience. You know, now that we're free admission. We've opened the door so much wider, and so many more people are coming in. But that means there's more responsibility on our end to introduce people who may have just a certain level of understanding of contemporary art, introducing to them um, ways of enjoying something they may be unfamiliar with, right? And so we're doing a lot with our wayfinding. We're beefing up our visitor experience, which I'm really excited about. I don't know what that means exactly, but I do want to say one thing. So as soon as I joined the CAC and paid my little membership dues, (laughs) I swear to God, the next week, they're like, it's free! I'm like, you guys... I just became a member. <laughs> but there's so many more benefits mm-hmm. to membership besides free. Okay, like and, what? Mm-hmm. Well, I will tell you because you get a discount on black box performances. Mm-hmm. You get um, um, you get go- to go to our artist talks. You get more information and inside information that other people don't see. And we have a couple other surprises that are coming up in the summer with special discounts with things that you can do around the city because you're a member. Oh, right. All right. So we got look. We're we're okay. doing, we're on our job. Make we're it worth my to money. It up. <laughs> <laughs> we are. And we also know that the people who give their hard-earned money to the CAC to become a member, we also know it's not just about entryway and an admission into the galleries that you're giving because you're giving from your heart and you're being part of a membership, a real membership, a kind of um exciting cultural tribe of people that want changing, challenging, beautiful, ugly, fantastic, disturbing, crazy, fun experiences that you know you uniquely can have in this space. Now, speaking of change, change has definitely happened here in the past year or so. Yeah. Uh, with the addition of the cafe mm-hmm. and the remodel of the lobby area. Yeah, well, our attendance has doubled. Really? That. Yeah. Wow. Well, we knew after being here for a while that the landscape of downtown, everybody knows, you can see it, you can feel it has changed. And so our visitor has changed. The psychographic of the people who live, work, and play downtown has changed. And what people want in their experience when they're coming downtown has changed. 
So we knew that we had to offer more. We had to offer more comfort. We have to, you know, you have to make sure that everyone's feeling good. Yeah. Right. So when they come into this space, not that the old space there was anything wrong with it. This is just different, and we're changing with the times. It's a lot more right? welcoming, I think. Well, I think people are feeling that. That's why more people are walking through mm-hmm. the door. Right. They see the activity, the brightness. You can come and sit on our lounge, listen to some great music, and feel good. I mean, there's food. That's my number one priority in pretty much any situation. Collective CAC is mm-hmm, awesome, mm-hmm. right? So you can go over there and get coffee. You can get wine. You can get some great food, breakfast or lunch. We're open late on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. How so, late is late? Nine o'clock. Really? Yeah. See, that I did not know. Yes, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. So you can come downtown. Okay. Have a different kind of cultural experience. Get your early cocktail or early tea, early coffee, and then go have dinner anywhere down here. And then, you know, we have valet, right? I saw that. Right outside. should have so used it. You can. So members get a discount oh. on valet. See? And perk. Okay. Okay. Perk. All right. All right. Perk. You, you, you got me. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> so members get a, um, a discount on valet, but anyone can use the valet outside. And so we make it easy for you to come and expand your experience downtown. I mean, we are one of two urban museums downtown. It's us and the National Underground Railroad Freedom Center, which is right there on the banks. And who doesn't want to add an element of something different to experience when they come downtown. And the CAC, this is where you can have your first stop at that. It's a great date night, just FYI. I think it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially on some nights on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, we have special events. Like, we have our wildly popular drink and draw. Oh, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And we have other things. And tonight, we are actually having a performance, a black box performance. I mean, if you have not gone to a black box performance... I haven't, actually. Well, you owe it to yourself to do it. And I'm going to tell you something else. In this next coming season, what we're doing is offering a subscription to our black box. So if you buy tickets to three or more performances, you get a really special discount. You owe it to yourself because our curator, Drew Klein... I mean, he really takes the time to research these different performances from around the world that are groundbreaking. You really won't see them anywhere else. You won't see them in this region anywhere. And tonight, which is really kind of interesting, this night in Thursday, this is just an example of, of one performance that is just fantastic, are these two men who are basically dancers and choreographers and they choreograph this kind of movement piece where they um, explore bromances you know how guys are they're in the the locker room they're all sweaty they're thumping their chest they're like you know (laughs) snapping the The towel towel. Uh they give themselves in a headlock and they're roughhousing well they do all of that fully clothed and then slowly and slowly and slowly they start disrobing interesting and they still have this kind of choreographed intimate physicality and then they eventually have no clothes on so then you get to oh the I gotta point. go to this show what time does it start what time is it now <laughs> and then you get to this point where it's like are they friends right are they more than friends and so you it's a really wonderfully challenging piece exploring masculinity male bonding what it looks like, what it's confused as, and um, it's all choreographed by these two men. Very interesting. But that's just an example uh-huh. of one thing that we do that explores contemporary culture. Yeah, and contemporary. That's the things. thing. It's very. It seems 
that you guys are very invested in talking about culture as well as the art that describes the culture. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what kind of sets us apart from other things. And I tell people that that, uh, we deal with contemporary issues, right? When we had Titus Gaffar here, um, African-American artist, uh, last fall, and he dealt with the issues of police brutality and black male identity. And this coming season that we're going to announce in late May, I mean, it is... It's incredible, the range of artists that we have and the topics that we're exploring. We have one artist who was just written about in Artnet as one of the top 10 black artists to watch in 2016. Okay. Yeah, and we have several artists that are displaying their work here, their first solo exhibitions. Oh, I love that. Right? And so... The this is like their launching pad, Yeah, almost. exactly. And that's what we do. We, undisco- we discover these up-and-coming artists and the Picassos and the Warhols mm-hmm. and the Maplethorpes of the future right here in the Contemporary Arts Center. So you guys do a lot here. Is there any sort of outreach that you do? Most of it, because of the work that we do, it's inside. We like to bring people into this beautiful, iconic Zaha Hadid building. We do um, a lot working, partnering with other um, institutions, like we partner with the National Underground Railroad Freedom Center. We do a lot with the Art Academy and UC DAP. So there's a lot of different ways that we partner with other people. Of course, when we have off coming here and we are really entrenched in the design community, there's some collaboration there. And we're exploring other ways that we can do some more collaboration and partnerships with other entities in the future. What kind of entities are you looking to collaborate with just in case anybody might be interested? We're really looking to get into the neighborhoods. You know, we're looking at the neighbors of Avondale. We're looking a little bit up north. We're looking at northern Kentucky. Okay. We're looking at how we can really, especially now that we're free admission, how can we, you know, help people, Mm -hmm. help our neighbors, right? Mm Mm-hmm understand that there is a place, a cultural center, in which they have a voice. They have a stake in. That's important. Right? Mm -hmm. That can help them see their world and their place in the world and a way to express those contemporary issues. So it's, it's all kind of exploring what that looks like, what is authentic, right? And genuine, what they want to see. Yeah, sure. You know, and how we can provide that. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. And I know that your background is actually in media. Yep. I remember seeing you on the news, and I remember seeing you in a a dance class or something, and I was like, ooh, (laughs) I know that lady. Where do I know her from? And I was like, oh, it's Regina. Mm -hmm. So what brought you from there to here? Well, I am a lifelong journalist. Okay. Do you enjoy writing? I do. You do? I'm doing more of it. Okay. It's an exercise. It really is. It's an exercise. And like most exercise, it... It's difficult and it's challenging. Yeah. But when you see it after, when it's on paper, there's beauty in it. Right, there's uh-huh. beauty in the like challenge of it. But you, and I'm going to tell you something. Anyone who creates that way, you have to take time every day and work that muscle. I know that's the hard part. It is hard, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's going to be crap. And <laughs> it is often crap. It yes. is, and some of the best <laughs> writers will tell you you have to get through the crap. There's going to be a lot of crap there, but hmm. you have to work it that muscle and work it and work it and work it and work it. I always wanted to be some form of communicator. 
it's interesting when I was a child like I could see my life I could see it in a way where I was communicating in a very public way really oh yeah what did you want to be when you were little well when I was like I grew up in the time of Phil Donahue Oh right? my God! Yes, yes. Oh, oh yes, so Sally Jesse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when I saw Phil Donahue, I didn't even understand it as a young child, young person. But I knew I felt something when I saw him standing there with a microphone, asking someone a question, and they were felt compelled to, you know tell him something that was probably never said to someone else uh-huh. before and the curiosity that he had and how he was able to exp- I mean I just found it fascinating you know <laughs> my mother would have us read the newspaper you know I would actually watch the news and I found it fascinating this exchange of ideas and conversation and so you know I was in drama I was in debate club uh, okay. all of that okay right uh-huh and everyone knows like if you're a dancer or a singer or a writer or whatever you know it you feel this electricity in your body when you're aligned with something that you that you're supposed to do or that you feel fulfilled in mm-hmm. and that's what was me and then when I went to college I was in public radio all through college really yeah. did you have a show I did actually what was it called it was I'm trying to remember it was through the black cultural center uh-huh. and it was, I remember it and I'll tell you later I can't remember it sounds was in it the word sounds was in it it was black voices or black sounds or something were you interviewing people or were you that yes okay I was interviewing like influencers ah, around campus well about that sounds familiar in, yeah <laughs> yes exactly um uh that were important to the black community right uh-huh. and um and then when I graduated, I couldn't find a job in radio or television, and I worked on the staff of a county commissioner for about six months. Doing communications? I was kind of like their, not their chief of staff, but worked in like a community liaison, mm-hmm. right? And so while I was working that job, I would send my tape to public radio, this black radio station called WQBH. And, um, Where was this? In Detroit. In Detroit, okay. Yeah. Every week I would send it. Every week I would send it. Are you serious? Every single week I would send it. The same tape or a different tape? tape. I would just repeat, keep making a copy of the tape. Wow. And send it and send it and send it and send it. And I would go down there and I'd be like, here's my tape. And this general manager. Counting the payment, girl. I did. And it was so funny. It was almost a foreshadowing of my life. The one radio station where I got my first big job after college was WQBA, which is a black radio station. And the owner of the radio station was this black woman named Martha... Steinberg, Martha Jean Steinberg, and she was also the on the biggest on air radio personality in Detroit at that time. She wow. was a legend, okay? And so she had this like gospel inspiration show in the middle of the day. And then they had gospel they had jazz and then they had like news talk hmm. later in day parts, right? And she owned the station as well. Oh. So she was like the Oprah. No okay? kidding. So she was the talent and but she was also she owned it. And and she was like she was like Diana Ross, Mariah Carey. Um, who else is like you? Just see them and you divert your eyes. <laughs> she was that. She was that huge. She wow. had that great persona. Like you didn't even you didn't even gaze your eyes into her eyes. Mm-hmm. She was that like this formidable presence. And I would go down there and I would like give my little tape. <laughs> and she would walk past the glass, past the you know the, the secretary, and she'd just go on and just walk or whatever. It was just crazy. I mean, like, she was, like, bigger than what? Wow. You know? And finally, she gave me a job. Now, 
she gave you a job? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, she now, finally, okay, how did you manage that, though? She finally, I just kept coming, and she finally said, let me just talk to this girl. <laughs> so she can Yeah. So I like. this poor child. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, I interviewed, and I got the job in the station. And she was the worst, m- most mean, tyrant boss, but the best boss I ever had because I learned so much from her. Mm. She was old school. She was no nonsense. Okay. And I learned from her. I learned so many things. I learned that you are only as good as your worst day and that you always have to think about tomorrow and that there is no room for being mediocre. Oh, okay. And that you have to give back to the community. It is your responsibility to be entrenched in the community. If you don't have ties to the community and you don't do this for the second community, you don't need to be doing it. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. And she also told me when it's time to leave. Because I worked there for about two years and I did everything in the newsroom and I was good. I was in my, my you know, just zone. When you feel like you're in your element, like exactly. everything is swirling around you. Everything. And because yeah. she was so connected to the community, she was one of those legends where if anybody wanted to get anything to the black community, they went to her on her show to talk, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. She was in with everybody in the city. And this was around the time of the Malice Green case. Malice Green was an African-American male who was uh, brutalized by Detroit police. Okay? This is on, This is a forever story. Yes, this it is. This has been going on for decades. That is true. And the chief of police at that time granted an interview to us first about that, right? And I will never forget it. I remember I was like, I was like, this is incredible. This is great. We got an exclusive. We got it over every single body. And she was like, I know that you're not celebrating. Oh. Because you should be thinking about what you're doing you're- tomorrow. Oh. Great lesson. Okay. Great lesson. Mm-hmm. Keep it moving. Mm-hmm. What are you doing tomorrow? <laughs> this is fine, but what, it's only what's, next? what's next? Mm-hmm. Right? And so she, the only way that I left that station is because she was preparing to fire me. Oh. Old How do you know that? Because she was like, I think we need someone else. Oh, okay. And you said, okay, well, peace out? No, I didn't have a job. <laughs> Okay. I didn't have a job. I was like, I was like panicked. Uh-huh. I was like, I gotta find something. Okay. What are you doing to me? This is like, my first like I, I don't want to leave. But she was in her own way pushing, pushing you out of the nest. nest. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I was like furiously trying to find something, and I thought I was gonna be like out on the street. But I found something, and it happened to be a news talk radio station in Grand Rapids, Michigan, which was the complete opposite of working for an all-black station in Detroit, Michigan. It was, like, Mm -hmm. completely opposite. Great different experience. And then from there, I (laughs) had a friend who worked in Grand Rapids who was in TV. He now is working for ABC News, right? And he said, you should do television. Like, no, 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 not television. So you originally didn't even want to do TV. No, I didn't. Huh. I didn't. Well, I didn't think I had the look, and I thought it was too much pressure, and I liked radio. Radio, there's a mystique to it, and there's a a theater to it that I enjoyed, and I liked it. I was like, no, TV's not. No, no. But he says, you should try it. So I was working afternoon shift at the radio station, afternoon drive. And then I would go home and take a nap and get up in the middle of the night and work as a producer for the cut-ins for a TV station. 
And I work that shift and I go home in the middle of the day, take a nap, get up, and do the afternoon shift. Oh my gosh. And I did that. How long? Right. Uh, it wasn't a year. It was less than a year, but I did that so I could be in the television station and have access to their photographers and their equipment. And during my breaks, I would go out and shoot stand ups and learn how to write for television and learn how to write packages. And I put a reel together so that I can send oh, out to other okay. television stations. I did, and I got a job in Lansing, Michigan. And I worked there around the time of the Oklahoma City bombing Mm. and the O.J. Simpson trial. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. And then I got an agent. You got an agent? I got an agent. Do most TV personalities have agents? Yeah, they do. Okay. Yeah. And I got an agent, and they uh, got a call from... Cincinnati, Ohio. I didn't even know where Cincinnati, Ohio was. I swear to God. You're like, how many N's and how many T's are in Cincinnati? Do we even? I'm serious. (laughs) I had no idea. But I came to Cincinnati in 1996, and I have been here ever since. I worked at uh, Fox 19 and did pretty much everything there until 2010 Mm -hmm. when I decided to retire. I had had my second baby and he wasn't quite two yet and my mother actually had died um a month after my second son was born oh i'm so sorry to hear that and so well you know it's a life-changing thing right when you lose a parent when a woman loses her mother and then when a mother loses her mother it's Mm. a profound experience Mm -hmm. and it gave me permission to take extraordinary steps yes. to create the life that I wanted, right? And so, like, my mother, like, created me. Mm-hmm. And she nurtured this gift that I had at a very young age. Um, but kind of found out that after her passing, there was no reason for me to continue to create in that way anymore. And it gave me permission to explore other ways to use my gift to create. And so I was like, what else can I do? Yeah. What other kind of pace can I live in my life so that I can be present with my kids? And not everyone goes through this, but I think creatives really, really do go through this because you absorb everything around you. Yeah, it's exhausting at yeah. times. And that kind of pace and the kinds of stories I was doing... I did not want to carry that home with uh-huh. me anymore. Yeah. I wanted a freshness to create and see the world in a different set of eyes mm-hmm. because that freshness, I wanted to be able to like give to them. And so I decided to try to find another way to create and tell stories. And I knew that I loved cultural arts institutions because I used to do this feature called What's Hot with Regina. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that highlighted Uh all the wonderful cultural arts spots in the city. And so I got my first job out of TV as a director of marketing and communications at the Cincinnati Art Museum. Right. Wonderful experience for four years. And then CAC came calling. And then I came over here to become their chief of comm two years ago. So it's been great. It's been a really great experience. And it's been six years later. And the great stories I have been able to help tell for the city has been extraordinary. And that's fulfilling for you? It's not only fulfilling, it's meaningful. Mm. You know, it's really meaningful. It was intentional that how I spent my day when I'm not with my family had meaning to it, right? And it was purposeful. And I was using the gifts that I uniquely was given in a really um, strong, 
purposeful way. And I feel like I have been able to do that. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of meaning, one of the things that I've been trying to do as of late is to appreciate the things that bring me joy, small moments, big moments, anything really, even if it's just for a moment, a, a, a little piece of my life. Uh, And I was wondering if there's anything for you in the past hmm, seven to ten days that has brought you some moment of joy. Well, there's a a couple of things. There's always something with my children that just just makes me shine. Oh, I bet. Makes me smile. It's <laughs> always when I see like glimpses of myself in them that just makes me Ooh, like, that's got to be weird. It is. It's so funny, but it's just like, I just love it, right? And this is going to sound corny, but it's totally unexpected, right? I've been married for, it's going on 11 years wow. now, right? Mm-hmm. And so when you're married for more than a decade, <laughs> <laughs> you can forget the reasons why you your paths crossed in the beginning. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah. You can forget it. And there have been two inc- incidents that happened in two weeks that were extraordinary that reminded us of why we are at the space that we're in right now. This one, I was talking to a woman that my husband Matt and I both know, and she was telling me that she had remembered meeting someone who was at our wedding. And our wedding was really tiny and small. We had two weddings. We had a wedding here and we had a wedding in Italy. But the wedding, wedding that oh, we y'all had. Oh, you Okay. I see how you just kind of threw that in. Just drop that. Just in. Just New wedding in Italy. And you know, it was just like Kanye's. And you know. <laughs> but no, the wedding here was like super tiny. And what I think what happened, this woman works in downtown development. So I think she must have met someone who was working the wedding because we got married at a hotel here. Oh. Because she said, I'll never forget this, Regina. She said, I was reminded about this man who said to me, when I fall in love, I want to look like Matt Russo looked the day that he was watching Regina walk down the aisle. Well, that is just adorable. I was like... Can we get that embroidered on a pillow? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, what? Really? Like, to hear... This was somebody you didn't... This person who said that was somebody you didn't know. The person who... Yeah, I didn't know this person who Uh said it, who had watched this occurrence, had told this other person, random person, and she recounted it to me, right? And so I was like, that was a... There was a reason why she told me Mm -hmm. that, why she's telling me that now. Mm -hmm. Because then that made me think back like that moment, that day. And it was just really a nice reminder of the moments that are special in our lives. Mm -hmm. And then a week later... I have a house in Pleasant Ridge, and we that I bought when we first before we got married. We we met each other um, a month before I bought my first house in Cincinnati. Hmm, okay. okay, I still have that house. Okay, and we rented out to this couple, right? And I saw the husband who lives in that house. And, like, earlier this year, there was, like, a box of tapes that I had from Fox 19 that we forgot to move out of that house five years ago that he just happened to find. Yeah. So he gave it to us. And then I saw him again, and he says, I forgot to put something in that box. 
And I said, what? He says, you had a blue Bible. And I said, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) I I guess I I did. did. He says, yes. He said, because you wrote in that Bible and I found it and I have to give it to you. And I said, well, what did I write? Right. And he said, you wrote it to Matt. Hmm. And um, he gave Matt the Bible and I, I opened it up this week. And it was basically, it was like a month after we had got married. And it was basically telling him that we're kind of ride or die. That we're going to be in it through thick and thin. This is who we are. And we're in it for good and for bad. You know? That's so sweet. And I couldn't I couldn't really remember writing it. But it's in Uh my handwriting. I was like, am I bound by this now? (laughs) So I'm like, why did I do that? Uh, I think you were bound... Before the Bible, honey. <laughs> I think that's how that works. <laughs> but it was like in two weeks span, these mm-hmm. two very specific incidents and occurrences, one from him, one from me, that reconfirmed that we had made the right decision. Right. Ten years later, we remembered like we said and did these things. We looked this way. We said these things for a reason, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? It was just, it was just, um, it was just nice. That's so great. I'm gonna open up my Tinder app so I can find somebody, <laughs> so people can say stuff like that about me. <laughs> you know, it's just like it was just nice because it's like it's you know. These are nice moments we have to remember when we're having these really difficult times mm-hmm. in life. We hate each other. We love each other. We hate each other. That there are moments where things are beautiful. Life is beautiful. Yeah. You know, there are moments. They're fleeting. Right. They're fleeting. But they make all the other moments. But they occur. And you appreciate that they it. occur. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So those are like the things that have happened recently that I'm, I'm grateful for those memories. I'm grateful that that I had an opportunity where that actually occurred for me. Whether it those things last doesn't mm-hmm. matter. That it it happened. It happened. You know what I mean? I felt that way at one point. Yes, I had the opportunity to experience that. Yes, mm-hmm. you know, it was wonderful. Well, that's great. So where can people find more Regina? Because I know they're going to want to know more about this conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, I do a lot. I tell you. (laughs) No. No kidding. Yeah, I started writing again. And so I'm starting to blog a little bit more with HelloParent.com. Oh, okay. Yeah. And um, I have an Instagram account, or What's Hot with Regina, Twitter account, What's Hot with Regina. Um, And I also do a little bit of communications consulting on the side with my company, Right Now Communications. Everybody got to hustle. Everybody got to hustle, girl. Look, (laughs) we got to diversify these revenue streams. Yes. Can I get an amen? <laughs> I mean, but this is the way, and I encourage people to do this. This is the way people create. Yes. When you look at the influencers that are out there right now, they're not just doing one thing. No, you can't just do one thing. Who no, wants to do just one thing all the nobody time? Nobody does. You have to be able to explore all the avenues mm-hmm. in which you are able to create, produce, and give to this world. And you have permission to do it. Okay, this is a new time and season we're all living in, right? You have varying streams in which you are creating and producing in this world, and that is incredible, right? Have we not learned anything from Oprah? Right? 
Oh, I've learned all kind of stuff. And everybody, you know, outside of that, the world, there's an abundant possibilities for everyone. And the only thing that's holding us back is our own fear. Yes. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. So those are kind of the areas and avenues that people can hear from me, see what I'm doing, the things that I like, the things that I'm following, the the things I'm inspired by, and what we're doing here. Okay, awesome. Uh, and speaking of all the following stuff, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. It's The Style Sample. And please go to creativecitypodcast.com to sign up for the mailing list and learn about new episodes. Well, thank you so much, Virginia. It was great talking to you. Oh, you too, always. And congratulations. This was so much fun. Yeah, of course. We always have a good time talking. We kind of cheated a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, we did. (laughs) Thanks for listening, everybody. See you next time. Bye.